Welcome to Design Your Life and Business, the podcast for leaders by Bright Mind Consulting Group. We give you the necessary tools to help you become the architect of not just your business, but your life too. I'm your host, Javon Wooden. Hey, Terry, how are you? Javon, I am great. Thank you very much for having me on. I'm looking forward to talking with you today. My pleasure. My pleasure. I'm looking forward to it as well. We got a little action back and forth before we hit record. So I know I'm super excited for this one for the designers today. So we hop right in here. So the question I'm going to start with first is one I ask everyone. Who are you? Who is Terry Tucker? That's a good question. I'm in my 60s and I'm not sure I have the answer for that. I think hopefully I'm somebody who's continuing to evolve, continuing to grow. I've always believed in the importance of being a lifelong learner. If you get to a point where your life where I've learned it all, well, then it's time to die. And I haven't learned it all. So I'm a child of God. I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a cancer warrior. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a speaker. So I wear a lot of hats. It just depends on which day. So I guess I'll leave that as my answer. I love that answer. And I'm so happy to hear that you made it through the cancer. I'm sure that is a story that you, when you get in those stages that really probably get everyone going and pull on their heartstrings for sure. Absolutely. But you mentioned author in there and you wrote a book called Sustainable Excellence, 10 Principles to Leading Your Uncommon and Extraordinary Life. What led to you writing that? Yeah, the book was really born out of two conversations I had. One of the jobs I had sort of in a previous life was I was a girls high school basketball coach in Texas. And I had had one of my former players move to the area in Colorado where my wife and I live now with her fiance. And the four of us had dinner one night. And I remember after dinner saying to her, I was really excited that she was living close and I could watch her find and live her purpose. She got real quiet for a while. Then she looked at me and she said, well, coach, what do you think my purpose is? And I said, I have no idea what your purpose is, but that's what your life should be about. Finding the reason you were put on the face of this earth, using your unique gifts and talents and living that reason. So that was one conversation. And then I had a young man in college reach out to me on social media. And he asked me what I thought were the most important things that he should learn, not to just be successful in his job or in business, but to be successful in life. And I didn't want to give him, you know, get up early, work hard, help others. Not that those are incredibly important, but I wanted to see if I could go deeper. So I spent some time and I took some notes and eventually kind of had these 10 thoughts, these 10 ideas, these 10 principles. And so I sent them to him. And then I stepped back and I was like, you know, I've got a life story that fits underneath that principle, or I know somebody whose life emulates this principle. So I had my leg amputated as part of my cancer journey in 2020. And while I was healing during that process, I sat down at the computer every day and I built stories. And they're real stories about real people underneath each of the principles. And that's how sustainable excellence came to be. Wow. Well, there was a lot to unpack there. One, you're serving others just throughout your whole life as a coach, you know, as a mentor, and you giving this information freely. And then you mentioned you had your leg amputated in 2020, and that was also the year COVID hit. So how did you navigate through all of that adversity you faced within that one year time span? Yeah, that's a good question. I look back on that, and then I don't know if I have a good answer to that question. I mean, I remember the morning I had, I was going in for surgery to have my leg amputated, my wife literally dropped me off at the hospital. Because of COVID, I was not allowed to have anyone with me. Nurse just came out with a wheelchair, 
brought me back to this huge bay, you know, where all these people get prepped for surgery. I was the only person in that bay. My doctor had to get special permission to do the operation. I was supposed to be in the hospital for 10 days to two weeks to learn how to function without having a leg. I was sent home after 48 hours. And it was really just by the grace of God and by some very good people who said, look, I'll come by your house. I had an occupational therapist who said, I'll come by your house and I'll help you set it up so that you don't have trip hazards or fall hazards or something like that. And it was just kind of sort of on the job training, you know, hey, I don't have a leg now, I got to figure this out. And my wife and I at the time, and we figured it out. And I think part of it is through this journey, and I've had cancer for 11 years now, the importance of callousing your mind, of handling things that are difficult, of getting on top of your pain and things like that, of not letting your mind rule you, but you ruling your mind. And I practiced those things prior to all this going on. So I think I was able to draw certainly on my faith, on my family, and then on the fact that I had to get on top of my mind for. Yeah, absolutely. And you talk a lot about that. You mentioned one of your four truths, right? The concept of four truths. Can you tell us what they are? I know you slid one in there. So let us, let us know the others if you don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did. My four truths are things that certainly I've learned over my life, but really kind of uh, coalesced during my cancer experience. And the first one I just mentioned, it's control your mind or your mind is going to control you. The second one is embrace the pain and the difficulty that we all experience in life and use that pain and difficulty to make you a stronger and more resilient individual. The third one I look at kind of as a legacy type of truth, and it's this, what you leave behind is what you weave in the hearts of other people. And then the fourth one, I think is pretty self-explanatory. As long as you don't quit, you can never be defeated. And I refer to the four truths kind of as a the bedrock of my soul. I think they're just a good place to start to try to build a quality life from. Absolutely. I mean, I can say that I've lived with those four truths myself, learned them the hard way from my time in Afghanistan and service to facing adversity as a youth. So I can definitely say I align with those four truths myself. Um, I just never put them in that and stated them as eloquently as you have. So appreciate that, Terry. Now, in your book, The Sustainable Excellence, you talk about living an uncommon and extraordinary life. Can you delve into what that means for you? Yeah, I don't think we're supposed to be here to just kind of get by, just kind of muddle through life. There are so many people I've seen live a casual life. And by living a casual life, their goals, their dreams, their ambitions become a casualty of sort of that unplanned living. So I think we're all destined if we choose to do so. And most people don't want to put in the time, don't want to put in the effort, don't want to put in the work that it takes to live an uncommon and extraordinary life. But I don't want to be like everybody else. And I don't think any of us should be because we all have unique gifts and talents. You may be good in math. I may be good in writing. And so if I try to be an accountant, I'm going to be miserable. You try to write essays all the time, maybe you're not going to be happy in that job. So I always tell people, how do you find your purpose in life? You find it by understanding what your unique gifts and talents are and trying things, trying new things. I remember Jesse Itzler, who's the, I don't know if he still is, but at one point in time, he was part owner of the Atlanta Hawks in the National Basketball Association. 
And he's married to a woman by the name of Sarah Blakely. And Sarah Blakely is the president and CEO and founder of a company called Spanx, which is a woman's undergarment company. And Ipsler tells the story how when she was looking to start that company, he said if she would have waited until all her ducks were in a row, until she had figured everything out, he said, I guarantee you somebody else would have beat her to the punch. She Mm -hmm. saw an opportunity, figured out some stuff, and then jumped in with both feet thinking, you know what? I'll figure this out as I go along. I'll bring in people as I need them, marketing people, finance people, things like that, as I need them. And I think a lot of times we get stuck in life and think, yeah, I want to do this, but I got to wait till this happens, or I got to wait till that happens. And it's kind of like studying something to death. You never pull the trigger. You never get in there and make it happen. So I would encourage people, we don't all know what's going to happen, but if there's something in your heart, something in your soul that you believe you're supposed to do, and it scares you, go ahead and do it. Because at the end of your life, the things you're going to regret are not going to be the things you did. They're going to be those things you didn't do. And by then it's going to be too late to go back and do them. 100%. And I definitely agree with that. It's like things are going to change either way. Either they're going to change with your input or they're going to change without your input. I'd rather have some agency over what's taking place, at least to put my best foot forward. And, you know, as an entrepreneur, as a leader, you have no choice. That's what it is anyway, right? You're going to put yourself out there. Some things are going to fall flat and those some things you're going to win on. I'd venture to say that most successful people have probably had more failures than successes. But those successes, because they continue to go forward and continue to push, they get that one big one and it continues to build on that. So I would say, yeah, you can't be afraid of failure. Can't be afraid of that, because if you do, it's going to stop you. You're absolutely right. I mean, I think the road to success is paved with failure. And somehow we seem to think that here's a successful person in law, in medicine, in education, in sports, in entertainment, whatever. And we look at them and think, oh my gosh, they made it to the pinnacle of success. And for some reason, we don't think that they ever fail. I think back on my own daughter. My wife and I have a daughter that's six foot two that played basketball at the United States Air Force Academy. And you see players, you see NBA players, college players, high school players, you see the games. But what you don't see when I think back about my daughter's career, what you don't see is all those days during the summer in the hot, sweaty, humid gym, putting up thousands and thousands and thousands of shots, which allowed her the opportunity to play for the Air Force Academy. So the road to success is paved with failure, with, is paved with ugliness, is paved with pain. And if you're not willing to do that, it's going to be hard to be successful. 100%. And this kind of ties into those principles you mentioned earlier that you gave that young man that you then put in your book. You could have given him what everyone else says, but you decided to go a little deeper. Were those principles drawn from personal experiences or research or both? I I would say probably both. I mean, there are certainly some of my experiences in the book, but it's not a memoir. It's not an autobiography or anything like that. Yeah, here's a principle. Yeah, maybe I've got a story about it, but maybe I don't. Maybe I read a story about it or I heard somebody tell me a story about it and and I put that in the book. but. Like I said, they're all real stories about real people that are in sustainable excellence. So I don't want anybody to think, well, oh, this is made up or I could never do. No, that's a real person that found a way to be successful with whatever I'm talking about, whether it's our mind, whether it's listening, whether it's being curious or whatever that ends up being. Here's a real story about a real person that used that. 
I love that. And also in the book, I know we're going to go outside, but the book was is so good that you also had a tenant in the book about embracing your passion. And you kind of went in on that earlier on. Can you tell us a bit more about that and how people can find and pursue their own passions? I know you sat at the table with the young lady and you were like, I don't know your purpose. So can you go in a little more on that one? Exactly. And I heard a quote and I wish I could remember who said it, said, don't follow your passion, but bring it with you wherever you go. And I love that. Have that drive, have that curiosity. And we talk a lot about finding our purpose in life. And we talk about purpose in the singular, like it's one thing. And I look back on my life and I can only speak for myself that, you know, when I was young, I felt my purpose was to be in athletics. You know, I got a scholarship to play basketball in college and I started playing when I was nine years old. And I really felt that was my purpose. And then after college, I felt my purpose was to follow in my grandfather's footsteps of of being in law enforcement. And then now as I'm probably coming to the end of my life, I'm still battling cancer, that my purpose has changed again to put as much goodness, as much positivity, as much love and motivation back into the world as I possibly can. We all seem to think, and I think if this happens, it's great, that our purpose has to be our job or our occupation. It does. I mean, your job could be something over here. It's what you do to pay the bills, but your purpose is to write or to be a podcast host or to to paint or to be an activist or whatever it is that you feel it's supposed to do. Now, it would be great if it could line up where our purpose was what we did for a living. We could get paid for it and things like that. But don't feel that if that's not the case, that somehow you failed, that you haven't found your purpose. The two are not mutually exclusive. You can have one job and you can have a purpose and they don't have to be the same thing. Yeah, 100% agree. There's a Japanese uh, exercise or principle called ikage. It's uh, your reason for being. And it kind of talks about that. There's four tenets that you look at and two of them being what you can get paid for, what the world needs, what do you love? Those are a couple of them, but they don't always align. Sometimes you only have two of the four. Sometimes you may have three of the four, but it's okay no matter what it is, but you should have something that you know that you've identified that you love and you should still be doing it whether you can get paid or not so you can have that balance within your life. So I'm glad you brought that up, that it, you don't necessarily have to be getting paid for your purpose. You should just should still be doing it in some capacity to ensure that you're feeling fulfilled. That was a great point, Terry. Thank you. Victor Frankl, the concentration camp survivor during World War II, talks about the importance of that we're just not here to be here, that, that we all have a unique purpose in life and that our daily living should try to help us figure that out. And I've seen a lot of people, unfortunately, die either my time in law enforcement or during this 11-year cancer journey. And I'm going to make a huge generalization here. But it seems to me that the people who die, what you and I would call peaceful deaths or calm deaths, seem to be, again, huge generalization, the people who found their purpose in life and lived that purpose versus the people who die going kicking and screaming. You know, I want another month or I want another year. Again, another generalization seem to be, on average, the people who never did anything with their lives. They never tried to find their purpose. They never tried to find the reason they were put here and use their unique gifts and talents. I want to be the person that dies that peaceful life. I want to be the person that I gave it my all. I found my purpose. I did it. And now I'm going to go to my rest with a peaceful heart. And I think for me, at least, that's something important to me in my life right now. Yeah, 
and I love that. I forgot who said it, but they talk about having people write a eulogy. So you know what, what people would say about you right now. And does it align with what you want people to be saying about you? Um, and that's a great way to know whether you fulfilled your purpose or you're establishing a legacy or if you're just wasting time. So I'm glad you brought that up as well. The, there's a concept, right? Your attitude. All that we're talking about really depends on this attitude you have, right? We know mindset, but attitude is a subset of that. So could you talk about this and how it really impacts one's path to an extraordinary life? Sure. So there's that old quote that says, your, out, your attitude determines your altitude. And if you're somebody that is always kind of a sourpuss, so it's always kind of down. My dad used to use that word all the time, kind of a sourpuss. And you're always down and you're always depressed. I guess I kind of look at that in terms of this. If I didn't know you, Javon, but I knew the five people you hung around with the most, I could probably tell you a lot about the person that you were. What kind of character were you? What were your aspirations? What were your goals? How did you determine success? What was important to you in your life? Just by the people you hang around with. And I think it's important for all of us. It's incumbent, I think, for all of us to surround ourselves with good people. There's that old quote that if you're the smartest person in the room, you need to find a better room. I mean, you need to surround yourself with people that are smarter, that have better character, that care about you, that support you, that love you, and things like that, because they will lift you up. They will make you a better human being. And we see a lot of people surround themselves with people that it's all about them. There's a ton of drama surrounding them and things like that. And that those are what I used to call energy suckers. They just suck the energy right out of the room. They, they suck it right out of you. It, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm exhausted. I didn't do anything, but I'm exhausted because I dealt with Bob's issues all day today. So, and I realize a lot of times the people you surround yourself with are family. And you can't just say, hey, I don't want to have anything to do with you. But if you can try to limit the people that are around you that are sucking the energy out of you and surround yourself with people that make you better, that make you stronger, that make you more resilient, you're going to have a much better life in that regard. So I think a lot of it has to do with how we surround ourselves with people. And I'm old and I'm just at the point now where if you got drama in your life, nothing personal, I just don't want to be around you. I, and you know from being in the service, when you're there, yes, you're there for yourself, but you're there for your buddy. You're there for the person in the foxhole next to you. And you know what? I'm not going to leave you. We're going to get through this together. Those are the kind of people you want to be around. Yeah. And really, I mean, I'm going to let people know there's no excuse, right? Like you can find people in this day and age. We are in the best time, right? We have technology that allows us. There's masterminds out there, free and paid. There's ways to get involved. There's Facebook groups, LinkedIn groups. So if you really want to change that attitude in terms of your altitude, if you really want to change that and change who you're around, find out how you can do that, where you need to be. Put yourself in that room. That's what I did. Like, I didn't stay. I knew that I wasn't happy with the people that I was around. I knew that I had to change it if I was to be anything in life. So I'm not going to let y'all get off, designers. Y'all need to listen to what Terry is saying. And if you feel like you're not surrounding yourself with the people or your family doesn't have that and you know that you need to reach that level, go ahead and design it yourself. Get that group, create your pro own platforms if you need to. Do whatever it takes. That's awesome. You're hitting on all cylinders, Terry. I'm, I'm telling trying. you, man, I'm fired <laughs> up. <laughs> well, you also talk about sustaining success often, right? 
uh, sustaining excellence. In an era where everyone's like about their instant gratification, how do you suggest people just keep their focus on their long-term goals? That's a great question. And I published something. I do these short videos and I publish them every Tuesday. And, I, and the one I published yesterday had to do w- with kind of that question. Kara Lawson is the women's basketball coach at Duke University. And she's filmed herself. It's on YouTube if you want to look for it. She talks about how we like to think that, well, when this happens, life will get easier. Or when that happens for me, when I reach the top of the mountain, when I'm successful, whenever it is, then life will get easier. And what her conclusion is, is life never gets easier. We just handle hard better. And I think that's an incredibly important point to think about. What is success for all of us? How do you define success? The greatest definition of success that I ever heard was John Wooden, who was a basketball coach at UCLA when I was growing up. And this is his definition. He said, success is peace of mind, which is a direct result of self-satisfaction in knowing that you did the best to become the best that you're capable of becoming. Now, here was one of the greatest coaches of all times. But if you look at that definition, nowhere in there does it say anything about winning. It doesn't define success as winning. But we tend to, people ask me, what is success? And I'm like, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? You wrote the book. I mean, how can you not know? But I look at success, Javon, you and I may look at a sports team or an entertainer or something like that. And you may say, man, that person is excellent. I may say, yeah, they're good, but I don't think they're excellent. And so I think, I think excellence like beauty is sort of in the eye of the beholder. You have to define it for yourself. And then how do you sustain it? You sustain it by continuing to grow. You don't sustain it by, oh, we've arrived. Okay, now it's going to get easier. As Carol Austin said, it's not going to get easier. You're just going to be able to handle hard better. So you've got to get to that point in your life where you realize that once you've made it to the top of the mountain, however that's defined by you, you're going to have to continue to do that by growing, by changing, by innovating, by finding different customers, different way to deliver your products to different customers and things like that. That's how you sustain excellence, because when you get to the top, everybody's going to be chasing you. Everybody's going to be watching you. And the thing about success, it's always going to outdistance us. We're never going to get there. We're never going to find it. There's always going to be another meeting to have or something else to learn or another project to engage in or something like that. So success is always going to kind of be out of our reach. But that's the fun part. of it. It's not the destination. It's the journey that gets us there. Beautifully said. And I, I got to look up that video with Kara Lawson as well, because that, that is awesome. We're going to check that out. We'll drop that in the show notes. And yeah, that success, is, it should be a moving target, right? If you're really trying to leave an indelible mark on society and on the world, that's how it's going to be. If you're a true high achiever, you're always going to look for that rabbit to chase, right? So to speak. I mean, that's why people such as the Elon Musk and the Steve Jobs and all them, they accomplished things that people once said were impossible because of that. That's important. It's very important to restate that. So let me ask you, Terry, how have you personally implemented the principles that you've put in this book into your own life? Yeah, that would probably take us an hour. Let me kind of try to put two together. There's a principle in there about the importance of being curious, of constantly sort of asking how and what and when and why questions. And there's also a chapter in there about listening. One of the other jobs I had during my law enforcement career was I was a SWAT team hostage negotiator. And so 
we understood the importance of listening. And when I first started on SWAT, they gave us a formula. And the formula was, I can remember, it's 738.55. And what that meant was how we communicate with each other. So 7% of it had to do with the words that we used. And then 38% of it had to do with the tone of voice that we used with those words. And then 55% of our message is communicated by our body language and our facial expressions. So as negotiators, I had the first two. I could hear what words were being used and the tone of voice, but I didn't have the 55%. So I couldn't, I wasn't with the person. I couldn't see that. So I may say something and I didn't have the benefit of realizing that they're kind of rolling their eyes. And, God, what an idiot. This guy doesn't get me at all. You know, because that happened. So you go down a rabbit hole, it would be the wrong one. And you, you sort of have to backtrack and figure that out. So we would ask a lot of how and what questions to people. We would stay away from why questions because it sort of is accusatory. Javon, why did you do that? Oh, wait a minute. Is Terry saying something disparaging about me or questioning why I did that? So we would stay away from the why type of questions. And the other part was everything we did was sort of with a curious tone. You would say something, it was called mirroring or parroting, where you would say something. And I would either say the last three words or the most important words that you said back to you. But I would say it with a curious mindset. Hmm. With a curious mindset, Jamal? With the tone, you would say it like that. And what that did was, one, it got the person to, oh, he just told me what I said. So, okay, we're making that connection. And it's also now by asking how and what questions, I'm engaging you to help me get you out safely from this situation. So those two kind of go together. Be Always be curious, always asking why and kind of that tone of voice. And then listening to understand versus listening to respond. And I think today we tend to, hurry up, Javon, say what you're going to say because I want to get my two cents in. That's listening to respond. As opposed to, okay, Javon, I hear what you're saying. I may agree with you. I may not agree with you. But help me to understand where you're coming from. And I think if we did that as human beings, society, our planet, everybody would be a whole lot better if we cared about understanding where that person was coming. Absolutely. And those principles that you did mention resonate with me so much because as a coach, that is what we learn, right? We learn to listen, to understand instead of responding, to be curious and to avoid those why questions. So that is spot on. So now I know where we got it from, right? We get it from the negotiators. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Which is, that's probably the best place you could get it from because of what situations you're doing it in. Okay, I'll just learn something. All right, so your book, it could be perceived as a roadmap to leading an extraordinary life. But question is that the designers are probably asking too, do you think everyone is capable of achieving this? Or are there certain characteristics or prerequisites? Yes, I think every one of us, I don't care where you were born, I don't care when you were born, I don't care into what circumstances you were born. Yes, everybody, I think, has an opportunity to reach excellence and then sustain that excellence. There's an entrepreneur, you may have heard of him by the name of Ed Milet. And Milet talks about the four types of people in the world. And I love this. And I, I was the one who came up with this, but that's why he's a multimillionaire and I'm not. But he talks about, he said, the first group are the unmotivated. And he said, that's the vast majority of people that you will come across in your life. And then he said, the second group are the motivated. He said, it's a life sort of strictly based on motivation, sort of a carrot and stick thing. If I do this, 
I will get that. It's a life strictly based on motivation, but it's a life that a lot of people can live a very successful, a very happy life doing, but it's kind of low level. And then the next group he talks about are the inspirational people. The word inspiration coming from two words in spirit. So if you're inspirational, you move people with your energy. And then the last group he talks about are the aspirational people, where people aspire to be like you. And when I always talk to groups, I I always ask, where do you fall? And it's funny, Javon, nobody, nobody ever falls in the unmotivated category. Nobody ever looks at themselves and and say they're unmotivated. But that's the vast majority of people in the world. But nobody's in that category as far as they're concerned. And it's interesting. I did a panel discussion with a management psychologist from Greece, a guy who basically recruits spies for the CIA and me. And we were talking about communication, leadership communications. And the management psychologist said, there's all these tools out there. There's the Myers-Briggs test and all these different things. And she said, yeah, those are good as long as you are realistic about who you really are. But we tend, like I said, nobody's in the unmotivated category. And what she says is all these people think they're on this level, but they're really kind of this level here. But they answer all the questions on Myers-Briggs in a certain way. And she said, that's why I always go to their company and watch them interact with people in person. I want to see if the talk sort of matches the walk as well. Absolutely. Now, that's a great point. It's like people are going to answer as if they know someone else is going to see it, right? Because they know they got to turn that in. So that's a great point when it comes to that stuff. All right, Terry, we're going to switch to our by design segment. And this is where I ask every guest the same three questions. Are you ready? I am ready. All right, let's roll. First question is, what has been the hardest part about designing a life in business you don't need a vacation from? That's a great question. I guess I would say that we tend to quit so much sooner than we ever should and do we ever need to. Now, don't get me wrong. I think everybody has a breaking point, but I think that breaking point is so much farther down the road. Let me give you a quick story. There's a professor back in the 1950s at Johns Hopkins University who did an experiment with rats. And he took rats and he put them in a tank of water that was over their head. And he wanted to see how long the rats would tread water. And the average rat treaded water for about 15 minutes. And just as those rats were getting ready to sink and drown, he reached in, grabbed them, pulled them out, dried them off, and let them rest for it. And then he took the exact same rats and put them back in that exact same tank of water. And the second time around, on average, those rats treaded water for 60 hours. Now think about it. The first time, 15 minutes. You're just not going to fail. Your business isn't going to go under. You're going to die. And the second time around was 60 hours. So I think that taught me two things. One, the importance of hope in our lives that maybe not today, maybe not this month, maybe not even this year. But if you continue to do the things you know you're supposed to do, the things you know that will get your business to where it wants to be, eventually you will reach that success. You will reach the the end of that mountain or the top of that mountain. So I think that was the first thing. And the second thing was, just how much more our physical bodies can handle than we ever thought they could. I mean, you were in the military, you know that. You don't went to boot camp and all that kind of stuff. They push you past your comfort zones. They push you into things that I can't do that. Oh my gosh, I did that. 
you got to get past your comfort zones. Get outside your comfort zones. That's the only way in life we're going to grow and develop and get better. Yes. Number two, what is the best lesson you've learned on your entrepreneurial journey? That there's a reason God gave us two ears and one mouth. I mean, really, I mean, that's certainly something I developed as in law enforcement as a negotiator. You know, the importance of listening, listening to understand again versus listening to reply and listening for what's not said, listening for what people aren't saying when they should be saying something. I think that's incredibly important. And sometimes it's hard to shut me up and I talk a lot, but I also am really good at listening and what people say and sort of storing that away. So I would really don't feel like you got to be the biggest man in the room. Sometimes sitting in the back, observing, watching, letting other people know. I mean, you probably had this experience. I know when I was in business, you'd be in a meeting and the boss would walk in and say, okay, here's the problem. And here's what I think we should do about it. And then the boss would say, okay, I want to go around the room and get everybody's opinion. Now, unless you're an idiot, you're not going to say anything against what the boss just said because the boss has already decided how things are going to go. A much better way to do that is have boss come in, sit down, state the problem, and then say, how do you all feel about solving this? How are we going to do that? That says to me, now now you care about my opinion. You care about the, my ability to say, okay, I do this every day. Here's what I'm seeing. Here's how I think we can make this better. So it's really all how we relate with each other and how we relate with ourselves. So I would say, listen more than you talk. Absolutely. What are three tools or tips that you would recommend when scaling a business? I'm going to tell you a story, and it's probably not going to relate to business, but it's going to relate to life. That's all right. We will take it. (laughs) Okay. I had a nurse recently ask me what it was like. I had my foot amputated in 2018 and my leg amputated in 2020. She asked me what that experience was like. And I told her it hasn't been easy. I'm still trying to learn how to walk again. When you're six foot eight, falling is not an option. You get hurt from this height. So you don't want to do that. But what I did tell her was cancer can take all my physical faculties, but cancer can't touch my mind. It can't touch my heart and it can't touch my soul. And that's who I am. That's who you are, Javon. That's who everybody who's listening to us is. I'm not telling you not to go to the gym. I'm not telling you not to eat right. I'm not telling you not to get enough rest, reduce stress, all that kind of stuff. All the physical stuff that we work on our body. I'm not telling you not to do that. But what I am suggesting is maybe spending a little time every day working on who we really are, working on our heart, working on our mind, working on our soul. This body, this house, this vessel, we're going to die. It's going to decay. It's going to go away. But our heart, our mind, and our soul, those things are eternal. And I don't think we spent nearly as much time working on those things as we should. No, I 100% agree. That's actually my book, Own Your Kingdom. It talks about that, right? How there's a triad, right? And we need to focus in order to stay in that center. And once you're centered, you're focused, you're grounded. So I'm glad you hit on that and touched on that. That's something that needs to be reiterated over and over and over again. Because let's face it, we don't hear enough about it. We're so inundated with information that's useless that we forget about information like that, that is priceless. So thank you, man. This has been a fantastic conversation. I know our designers have gotten a ton about from this conversation. So how can everyone connect with you? So I have a blog. It's called Motivational Check. Every day I put up a thought for the day. With that thought, usually comes a question about how maybe you could apply that thought into your life. Mondays, I put up the Monday morning motivational message. I have recommendations for books to read, videos to watch. You can leave me a message. That's all at motivationalcheck.com. 
Awesome. And can they find a copy of your book there as well? They can. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Terry. It's been amazing. Thank you for just taking some time out to speak to us and impart all the wisdom that you've given us. And uh, yeah, I look forward to working with you in the future and seeing what you got going on, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciated talking with you today. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'll see you soon. Sounds good. Design Your Life and Business, the podcast for leaders, is brought to you by Bright Mind Consulting Group. To find out more about Bright Mind Consulting Group and how you can become the best leader possible, visit brightmindconsultinggroup.com. Make sure you search for Design Your Life and Business on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Bright Mind Consulting Group, we cannot thank you enough for listening.